Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Defund the police! Over one-third of their city budget goes to police. What are we doing? Democrats support defunding the police. Defund the police. It's fund the police. The hypocrisy of the left is on full display. The Democrat Party is the party of defund the police. The Democrats own the defund the police movement. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right. Welcome in. It is News and Views. It is uh, Wednesday. A lot to talk about. And, uh, yeah, the the, uh, the the whole law enforcement is sort of the theme today. And uh, it is a, a sad day that we've gotten to the point that we we don't trust what was probably at one time the most trustworthy organization in the country, the FBI, and we don't trust it because we don't trust our Department of Justice. And uh, it just gets worse and worse. It And it, to a certain degree, the weaponization and the politicization of our law enforcement comes all the way down to even some local sheriff's office. In fact, the Republicans came out over the last couple of days, and uh, in fact, Tom Tillis and Ted Budd met with a number of Republicans, uh, as well as some uh, local sheriffs, with uh, the likes of uh, Phil Berger and Tim Moore. The Republicans got together and they said one of the highest priorities, if Republicans take a veto-proof control of the North Carolina legislature, now there's a lot of things they want to do, but they said one of the things they want to do is they want to be able to have local sheriffs basically pass legislations that local sheriffs would have to cooperate with ICE in terms of notifying ICE if they have an illegal immigrant. And, you know, we've heard about this over and over again, how liberals, progressives, think that they're doing something kind when they uh, don't report someone who is illegal, someone who is breaking the law, frankly, just by being here, but in many cases, um, just because they're, they're illegal, but in many cases they're committing crimes that are much, much worse than that. Uh, many of them are bringing fentanyl over the border. Um, just today I was reading there are 300 fentanyl overdose dose deaths a day in the United States, 300 a day. So one of their highest priorities, they said, um, this is from uh, Destin Hall, a Republican from Caldwell County, said that they want to be, be in a position that they can force sheriffs to cooperate with ICE. Hall promised Republicans would move on the legislation if they gain control after November's election. Now, they have passed similar legislation in the past, and Cooper has vetoed that legislation. Previous bills aimed at accomplishing the goal have failed. Republicans need to gain three seats in the state house, two in the Senate, for a veto-proof majority. Cooper vetoed the latest version of the bill, Senate Bill 101, in July. The governor wrote in his veto that the bill was, quote, only about scoring political points and using fear to divide North Carolinians. How do you come up with that? It would have required law enforcement officials to notify U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement 
if they detained a person whose residency status was unclear and who was charged with certain crimes, including felony drug crimes, rape, domestic violence, homicide, and other high violent crimes. And, and by the way, the law was such that if, you know, I, I mentioned they're here illegal, that's illegal to begin with, they wouldn't be re- reported for that. They would only be reported if they were here illegally and had other crimes. Hall said more than 90 sheriff's offices currently work with ICE. Counties that don't include Mecklenburg County, Wake County, Buncombe, and Forsyth. Opponents of the bill argue local officials already prosecute people charged with serious crimes regardless of their immigration status. Uh, Well, do they? They also said municipalities and counties should have the right to manage these cases on their own without interference from the state. Mecklenburg County Sheriff Gary McFadden has previously said that laws that force him to cooperate with ICE are bullying. Bullying attempts to undermine his authority. Now, wait a minute. Could not the exact same thing be said about you, Sheriff McFadden? Are you not bullying your authority when you're ignoring the law? When a vast number of citizens disagree with the bias of Sheriff McFadden, who's the bully? And listen, and just last year, a Harvard-Harris poll, and it's gotten worse. It's only gotten worse since then with the chaos we have at the border. A Harvard-Harris poll from just last year. The, the question was, how serious of an issue do you think illegal immigration is for the country right now? 80% responded very or somewhat serious. 47% said very serious. 5% said not serious at all. 80% responded very or somewhat serious. Out of a provided list of 24 distinct policy issues that were of concern to Americans, 29% of, the, of those surveys said immigration was one of the most important issues facing the country today. Second only, now this was a year ago, second only to coronavirus. I would say today immigration is <laughs> very well, if the same poll was taken today, it would probably be number one. And yet, again today, the uh, media gal not not the uh, sharpest knife in the drawer. She came out and uh, basically said when she was asked about the op- opioid deaths, Peter Ducey again, uh, asked her about the opioid deaths and also about the fact that in 18 states, the rainbow-colored fentanyl had been discovered. And if you remember the fentanyl that uh, he was talking about there is uh, looks very much like sweet tarts and um, so she was asked about uh, about this you know what what is the administration doing about all this uh, fentanyl and her response was um, well she talked about the fact that uh, this was uh, how, how did she put it um she, she talked about the fact that uh, this was a day in which they were recognizing the overdose of, America, of, of Americans. This is something the president uh, cares about. 
um, yeah, it was today is uh, Overdose Awareness Day, and so her answer to that was, "We are we are celebrating and making note that today is Overdose Awareness Day. That's that's the first thing the administration is doing about it." <laughs> I mean, uh, wow. You know, that's like the Titanic going down and uh, somebody's got a thimble and uh, they're, they're bailing the water with a thimble as the Titanic goes down. So it's, it's uh, Overdose Awareness Day and we're observing that today, Jean-Pierre responded. Uh, then she was pressed a little bit more. She was, she was clearly wanted to get off the subject during her briefing today, putting an exasperated look out there after her non-answer, Jean-Pierre said, falsely, categorically wrong to say the Biden administration is not doing enough to address the fentanyl and drug crisis that rage due to the open and unsecured U.S.-Mexican border. We are doing the work, Jean-Pierre again insisted, before saying the Biden administration would be happy to work with Republicans on the issue. Now, this is the same Biden administration that just a few days ago called Americans who voted for Donald Trump fascists. <laughs> and, and now, just a couple days later, hey, we'll work with you. Come on. Trust us. We're, we're your buddies. Come on over here. We'll work with you. I, I, this is, uh, pardon my bluntness, but when you have the Biden administration saying the things that they're saying about the southern border, about how they're doing everything they can possibly do on the fentanyl crisis, about how nobody's walking across the southern border, is what she said yesterday. There's nobody walking across the southern border. What are you talking about? When, when every night, if you watch Fox News, now, you know, NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, they're probably not showing it. But I get it's tuned to Fox News every night. And you can see hundreds, if not thousands, of people crossing the border, and they're saying, "Oh, there's nobody, nobody's walking across the border." The the best way, the, the 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 best analogy is, don't pee on my head and tell me it's raining. <laughs> I know that's blunt, but I mean that that's about comes the closest of anything you can compare it to. Yeah, you're doing all you can. And listen, we're observing, we're observing Overdose Awareness Day. My goodness, you can't question us. Can't make it up. Attorney General Merrick Garland issued a memo just last night, about this time, talking about the Justice Department employees communicating with members of Congress he said, no, you can't do that. That's a no-no. We're going to block that. Uh, yeah, and, and this is, you know, after we've had how many whistleblowers? Some counts there's been 20 very credible whistleblowers come forward now talking to the likes of Senator Grassley, Congressman Jordan, and others. Mr. Garland wrote that all communications with Congress must be conducted through the Department's Office of Legislative Affairs. Now you <laughs> hold on to your hats. Are you ready for this? The policy is to quote 
to protect our criminal and civil law enforcement decisions and our legal judgment from partisans or other inappropriate influences, whether real or perceived or indirect. He stressed that the new policies are not intended to conflict or with or limit whistleblower protections and that Congress must carry out its legislative oversight functions. <laughs> this is not to in, intended to conflict with whistleblowers. It's just, I'm just coming out with this after 20 whistleblowers have gone to Congress saying, don't go to Congress. If you got something to complain about, come and talk to our Office of Legal Legislative Affairs. Now, here's the problem, Merrick. The problem is the whistleblowers are blowing the whistles to Congress because they don't trust you and your Office of Legislative Affairs. And you say the policy was put in place to protect our criminal and civil law enforcement decisions and our legal judgment from partisans and other inappropriate influences. It's those very decisions with which the whistleblowers disagree. You talk about we have to protect our criminal and civil law enforcement decisions. They disagree with those decisions. That's why they're blowing the whistle. It's those very decisions that they disagree with. And one of the reasons the whistleblowers recognize, one of the reasons they disagree with the decisions is because they recognize how partisan you are, Merrick. How partisan Christopher Ray is, Merrick. How partisan the guy they just canned, Timothy Thebalt. Somebody, some people call him Tim Tebow. I don't know how they get Tebow out of T-H-I-B-A-U-L-T. It looks like Thebalt to me. But I, they, they just canned the guy because of how partisan he was, how he didn't do anything with a Hunter Biden laptop. I mean, again, the, the way he words this, to protect our criminal and civil law enforcement decisions, which the whistleblowers disagree with those decisions, and our legal judgment from partisans. You are the partisan, Merrick. As I just said, Timothy Thebolt. Now, the FBI, oh, he resigned. He retired. A source familiar with the situation told Fox News that in 2020, assistant special agent in charge, Timothy Thebolt, who worked at the FBI headquarters in D.C., routinely shared and commented on Twitter's content attacking Republicans. Yeah, he and Peter Strzok. But... They don't do anything partisan. Grassley said at the end of the uh, July, very credible whistleblowers, Senator Grassley, had told a senior Republican senator that there was a conspiracy within the FBI to cover up info about uh, Hunter. Mr. Thebalt's blatant partisanship undermined the work and reputation of the FBI, Grassley said in a statement to the Daily Caller News Foundation. This type of bias and high-profile investigation casts a shadow over the Bureau's network and all the work that they do. Republican lawmakers have been scrutinizing Mr. Thebalt for making anti-Trump statements and social media posts in 2020. At the time, he was helping lead the FBI's probe of Hunter Biden. Why didn't you step in then? I mean, the malfeasance by Christopher Wray 
is unbelievable. I, I, again, I don't know who recommended, you know, obviously it's not Donald Trump can't vet these per- people himself as the president. I don't know who vetted Christopher Ray, but what a disaster this guy has been. But this is, this is malfeasance. That Christopher Ray allowed this guy to head up the Hunter Biden investigation when it was in, incredibly obvious by the social media post he was putting out how biased he was. I mean, these people don't even try to hide it. Would you not think if I really want to undermine the, the, President Trump and I want to elevate Joe Biden, would you not think you keep your mouth shut about your political bias? These people are so arrogant. They're so cocky because they've gotten away with it for so long, they just go out and brag about it. In February and September of 2020, Thebalt liked separate Washington Post opinion pieces criticizing Attorney General William Barr for not more aggressively prosecuting former President Trump's political allies and close associates. Mr. Thebalt also retweeted a post by the Lincoln Project, a Republican group that called Mr. Trump a psychologically broken, embittered, and deeply unhappy man. During a recent testimony before the Senate, FBI Director Christopher Wray dodged questions about Mr. Thebalt and his social media post. He called them ongoing personnel matters. We can't talk about that because that's an ongoing personnel matter. Rank-and-file FBI agents have now said it's time for Christopher Wray to go. Washington Times is reporting today that there are a number of of whistleblowers and a number of non-whistleblowers saying it's time for Christopher Ray to go. Kurt Suzdak, a lawyer and former FBI agent who represents whistleblowers at the Bureau, said agents tell him that Mr. Ray has lost control of the agency and should resign. They're saying, how does this guy survive? He's leaving. He's got to leave. FBI whistleblowers talking to Congress about corruption and retaliation say in disclosures that Mr. Ray was often notified of problems within the Bureau, but never took any action to resolve them. That includes recent whistleblower disclosures to House Judiciary Committee Republicans about agents being forced, coerced into signing false affidavits and claims of, of sexual harassment and stalking. It also includes fabricated terror cases, terrorism cases, to elevate performance statistics as reported this month by the Washington Times. The FBI agents are telling me that they've lost confidence in Ray. All Ray does is go in and said, we need more training. We are doing stuff about it. We will not tolerate it. And then nothing else happens. In response, the FBI released this statement to the Times. This is the same old, tired, give me a break statement. This is what the FBI said in how many times have we heard this? And we, we heard this same crap from James Comey. Quote, the men and the women of the FBI work hard every day to protect the American people and uphold the Constitution. <laughs> All employees are held to the highest standard of professional and ethical conduct, and we expect them to focus on process, rigor, and objectivity in performance of their duties. The FBI is comprised of 37,000 employees who do the right thing the right way on a daily basis to keep our nation safe by fighting violent crime, preventing terrorist attacks, and defending America from espionage and cyber threats. Blah, 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 blah. Listen, it's not the 37,000 hardworking agents that we have a problem with. It's only probably about 500 to 1,000 that live and work in Washington, D.C., 
the upper sphere of the DOJ and the FBI. They're the ones that are screwing it up for everybody else. And listen, you talk about, they come in and talk about, we're fighting crime, preventing terrorism, and defending American from espionage and cyber attacks. We want to keep America safe. And meanwhile, you cover the Hunter Biden laptop story, which poll after poll after poll after poll after poll indicates had that been in the news and not been covered up by the FBI and the media, their, co- their co-workers, if that had not happened, Joe Biden would not be in the presidency. Even you know, I, I still I still maintain that there is a lot of uh, improper conduct being taken place in the last election, the last general election. But even with the improper conduct, Biden wouldn't have won. And why did he win? One of the reasons he won was because the FBI deliberately covered up the laptop. And you say, what does that have to do with? keeping America safe. It has a lot to do. Have you looked overseas at what's happening under the Biden administration? Have you looked at Afghanistan and how the Taliban is over there? I mean, any gains that we made in Afghanistan is gone now. The, the people that trusted us with their very lives, their families' lives, they're gone. They're dead. The Taliban has taken them out. How many, how many, was it $800 billion worth of, uh, uh, equi- uh, no, it wasn't that much. How much was it? The the uh, was it eighty billion dollars worth? Of, I, I'm trying. I can't, I can't remember now. The numbers are th- that we left behind. Check that on that, Clark. How, how much? How much was the military equipment we left behind? But and, and we're not. That that hasn't endangered America's safety. I mean, the the, the fact right now that we have an energy policy, and, and boy, I got a whole lot more on the energy policy today. But we've got an energy policy that's actually endangering our country and our allies. And yet, the, and yet they give us this lame statement about all oh, the stuff we do. We're keeping them, protecting America. As you influence the election to the point that you change the outcome of the election. CNN says we left behind $7 billion. $7 billion. Well, CNN said $7 billion, so. <laughs> In Afghanistan after the withdrawal of 2021. Yeah. Okay. $7 billion. Anyway, uh, Mr. Ray's got to go. Got to go. All right. Stay with us. Hey, listen, I got some more stuff on energy that's going to make your blood boil. Stay with us. News and Views continues right after this. This is your Drive at 5 and ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Yeah, I just looked it up. Um, CNN was wrong. <laughs> it was $85 billion. That's how much we left behind. But, uh, hey, FBI, you keep us safe. Thanks. You, you give us a guy that's president that's not keeping us safe. And you had a lot to do with it. But you keep talk, telling us how you all keep us safe. Appreciate it. Taking a look at your weather forecast, a uh, clear to partly cloudy sky tonight. Pleasant. You might actually be able to open up a window tonight. A low of 63. Tomorrow, sunshine and clouds mixed. A high near 90. Partly cloudy tomorrow night with a low of 67. Friday, sunshine. A high again near 90. A few clouds in the evening. A low of 68 Friday night. 
And a long-term forecast for the holiday weekend looks pretty nice. Uh, Friday, a high of 90 in sunshine. Saturday, a high of 88 in sunshine. Sunday, a high of 88 in sunshine. Monday, cloudy, and then some p.m. thunderstorms with a high of 87. So not a bad-looking day. Good-looking day for the uh, Pirate-North Carolina State game. ECU hosts the uh, North Carolina Wolfpack uh, at Dowdy-Fickling Stadium at noon on Saturday. So uh, go Pirates and looking pretty good for uh, weather-wise. Hopefully we'll uh, look pretty good on the football field. PJ Media is reporting. Uh, Yesterday, if you were listening in, we told you about a wind turbine that collapsed over in Wales. And by the way, this is the second turbine that has collapsed over there. The first one collapsed back in February. Now this one collapsed just a week ago because the wind was gusting up to 50 miles an hour. That's not even hurricane strength. I mean, 50 miles an hour, these things collapse? I I mean, if, if that's true... I mean, there's, I don't know, how many, how many uh, wind turbines do we have up around the Elizabeth City area? I mean, there are at least dozens of them. I'm, I, I don't know. I've never done a count, but boy, you can see them all over the place. I mean, the next time we have a hurricane come through and we have, you know, winds well in excess of 50 miles an hour, are we going to start seeing those things come down? Anyway, I digress from the story at hand. This next story, go along with the uh, wind turbine coming down, is uh, going to get tree huggers uh, <laughs> a little nervous, probably, because this story tops the wind turbines coming down. California energy overseers warn of blackouts starting today. Starting today in the Golden State, they are now urging residents to avoid using large appliances Turn off unnecessary lights. Please set your thermostat no later than 78. And get ready for this. And please do not charge your electric vehicle. (laughs) It's called a flex alert. The California independent system operator says households should reduce energy from use From 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. when the system is most stressed because the demand for electricity remains high and there is less solar energy available. Oh, you mean when the sun goes down, we've got less solar energy? Hmm, that might be a problem, shouldn't it? The power grid operator, the notice says, expects to call on Californians to voluntary energy conservation via flex alerts over this holiday weekend and you've got to imagine that uh, part of the deal would be if you can't charge a car, please don't drive anywhere. There are nearly a half million plug-in electric vehicles registered in the state of California. California has banned the sale of any new gas or diesel cars by 2035, which is not that far away. But I'm sure the weather will be fine by then. We won't have any of these flex alerts. Listen, the next item that Libs will bring up will be since California can't charge their cars and eventually they won't be able to buy fossil fuel cars or gasoline-powered or diesel-powered cars, but since they can't charge their California electric cars, 
That means they can't go to work. That means they can't earn money. That means we will need to send them a flex alert check. I'm not kidding. You wait. You wait. It will happen. I mean, this is so typical of how the liberals work. They cause the problem, and then they come up with the great solution. And every time they come up with one of these great solutions, somehow it's got Marxist overtones. Somehow it's a redistribution of wealth. And listen, it, it, it will probably be something along the lines of it won't be. I mean, even the idea of paying anybody any money because they have an electric vehicle and they can't plug it in and it's the government's fault, for the, therefore we need to send them a check. I am not kidding. This is not out of the realm. I mean, this is exactly what happened with COVID. They caused the problem, then we got to pay everybody. But it'll be a re- redistribution of wealth. I mean, the wealthy that, that you know, oh, of course, their version of wealthy is anybody that makes over $400,000. Anybody less than that, those poor people can't survive. We've got to send them a check. Uh, and to, to accompany that story, charging electric vehicles in the United Kingdom will soon be more expensive than filling gasoline-powered cars thanks to skyrocketing electricity costs. Yeah, an economic switcheroo. Uh, and this, listen, what happens in England eventually comes across the pond. Britain's energy regulator warned residents to expect their electricity bills to shoot up 80% starting in October. That's when the national price cap on residential electricity rises, sending the average bill from $190 per month to an estimated $343 per month. That's more than $4,000 per year. Listen, I mean, the potentates, the Bidens of the world, the Boris Johnsons of the world, the Trudeaus of the world, I mean, they, they literally, this is like we have no bread, let them eat cake moment. They, they, they're, they, they're not affected by this. They don't care. They want, they want their socialist green energy policies to take, take effect. If you freeze your fanny off, we don't care. The shocking price hike stems from Britain's limited reserves and Russia cutting off one of its region's major sources of electricity generation, natural gas. Do you realize how much money we could be making as a country right now if Donald Trump, if everything was the same, but Donald Trump was still, now everything wouldn't be still be the same if Donald Trump was president, but let's say everything was the same and Donald Trump was president and his energy policies were still in effect. Do you realize how quickly we could be cutting down on our debt in this nation by exporting energy? And yet, what, what are we doing? Joe Biden's over there begging Venezuela and begging Saudi Arabia, please pump more oil. For the United States, this actually gets to the underlying fallacy of a lot of people that are pushing electric vehicles. They assert electric vehicles are cheaper because they assume electricity prices are going to stay cheap. 
you're combining the increased demand on electricity. That means you've got to build a new generation of electric power plants. And how do we get electric power plants? Well, a lot of power plants, I mean, there's a number of ways to create electricity, but a lot of electricity is created through fossil fuels. You know, the, the irony of this is the greenies have done this to themselves. And look, I, I know we, we've got a lot of, you know, the great reset Marxists out there that are totally delighted that the whole system is collapsing. We've also got a lot of naive idiots, naive idiot greenies. And had had these greenies been patient and introduced over years, decades perhaps, the idea of reintroducing alternative energy supplies while literally over 50 years, let's say, we're going to you know, begin a transition from fossil fuels and introduce green energy so our consumption of fossil fuels decreases. Okay, that's reasonable. But they, they got in there, very questionable elections. They got the White House. They got the Senate. They maintained the House, although they lost a lot of seats last time. And they said to themselves, we got to do it now. We got to do it now because we might not get a chance again. And they have done it to themselves. What's really interesting about this, Reuters reported this week that dozens of cars and trucks lined up in Poland at the Lubelski Weigel Badanki coal mine. They have cars and trucks lined up, people literally sitting in their cars for days in order to buy coal because they know a cold winter is coming and they're trying to stay warm. So guess what, greenies? The environment is going to be dirtier, not cleaner, because of your naive policies. Now, again, Marxists, the reset Marxists, they're happy. The greenies, you've actually taken everybody a step backwards. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Your 5 o'clock drive. The drive home should be a delight. This is Tom Lamprecht with more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome back in. Uh, Some interesting polling news. You know, we've been hearing a lot over the last few months how uh, the Democrats are catching up and passing Republicans in many of these races. Uh, Interesting, looking down to the Georgia Senate race, which is between Raphael Warnock, a radical pastor, facing off against the Georgia Bulldog Heisman Trophy winner Herschel Walker, who's been on our program before. Uh, a new poll 
shows the tide could be turning in Walker's favor, as many Georgia conservatives have suggested would happen. Emerson College has Walker leading Warnock by a margin of 46 to 44. That's within the margin of error, but it's, again, it's trending Walker's way. Walker leads Warnock among rural voters, 58% to 24%. Warnock leads Walker, 66 to 25%, among urban voters. In the suburbs, voters are breaking for Walker by a nine-point margin, 50% to 41%. The real clear politics average, which has shown Warnock leading by as much as nine points, has tightened as well. That's down to uh, Warnock being up by three points. Some have suggested that Warnock's support for the student loan forgiveness has moved voters away from him toward Walker. In other news from the poll, Georgia voters prefer the GOP on a generic congressional ballot to the tune of 51% to 46%. Now, that's, that's huge news because there have been other polls even recently that have really said the generic ballot is going toward the Democrats, which is, I've, I've always thought that is just really hard to believe that that would be the case. Uh, in a hypothetical 2024 matchup between Biden and Trump, Trump leads the current president 51% to 46%. You know, I, I know that sounds sort of close. In a presidential race, that would be a landslide. Younger voters, this is really interesting, younger voters age 18 to 34 are driving Trump's performance in Georgia. This group of younger voters voted for Biden over Trump in 2020, 63% to 30%. That has narrowed to 53% to 46%. The younger voters have also had the lowest approval ratings of Joe Biden 34% approve, 66% disapprove. Now, isn't that interesting? I mean, this is the guy that's promised and then delivered on uh, the uh, bailout for college students, college loans. And uh, numbers with young people aren't, uh, aren't good. America's, Americans, surveyed in a new Quinnipiac poll were asked to look beyond the 22 midterm general elections, which are only 10 weeks away. You'll be plenty sick of uh, political ads between now and then. Uh, Considering the 24 presidential election, who they want, who they don't want to see at the top when it comes to Trump, 62% uh, of the respondents, this is all voters, didn't want to see him run. That's down from 64%. On the other side of the aisle, Biden is polling even worse. 40% don't want him to vote. 50, uh, no, I mean, his underwater rankings are 40%, 52%. That's a minus 12. When asked if the current incumbent should run again, 67% of Americans said no. 26% said yes. But what's really surprising about this is the majority of Democrats don't want to see Joe run again. So we knew the Republicans wouldn't want it. Even the Democrats. Don't run, Joe. Please don't run. We got to take a time out. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at Five and ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. 
Well, if you've been following this uh, story, which is in all types of uh, media outlets, but there was a Duke volleyball player by the name of Rachel Richardson, African-American young lady, very pretty young lady who uh, plays for the Duke volleyball team. She made an allegation that when she was playing out in Utah against BYU, there was a fan in the student section who was not a student but was sitting in the student section. And that individual started shouting racial slurs at this young lady when she was out on the court playing. And every time she served, a racial slur was shouted from the stands by this one individual. Apparently, this young lady who was playing for Duke uh, was so emphatic that they brought in a police officer to sit on the Duke bench to protect. And the BYU officials have gone back and whether or not this Duke player realized it or not, but everything was being recorded. There's videotape of the incident, the entire game from multiple cameras called BYU TV. And officials at BYU who initially apologized and said they were doing things about it are now coming out and saying, you know what? We've gone back and looked and looked and looked and we can't find anybody shouting any racial slurs at all, let alone every time you served. It never happened. <laughs> I, I am just saying, uh, yeah, this, this individual is accused that uh, the N-word was shouted at Richardson from the uh, Cougars student section. Uh, the man who was identified was a Utah Valley University student denied shouting any racial slurs. The individual did admit yelling at the players that they shouldn't hit the ball into the net. But uh, doesn't a fan get to do that if you're... <laughs> I mean, how you equate that with a racial slur, I'm not sure. But uh, apparently the uh, allegations are not holding water. Hey, we get back into sports big time this weekend. Uh, I'm sure you'll hear hear all about it on our uh, sister stations. So uh, stay tuned for uh, ECU football. Happens this weekend at noon. Hey, and we'll do it again tomorrow at 5. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.